Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. We're going to be closing our Do Not Disturb sermon series. Uh, this has been an idea at our church, Do Not Disturb. This is actually the fourth week we're talking about this idea of, of isolation and solitude. How many of you guys have heard those words the last couple of weeks? Uh, anybody? Yeah, so, so we're in the sermon series, and we're closing it today with a new idea. Um, so I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, why don't you lean into the person next to you? Um, if the person next to you doesn't have a Bible, um, then there's one behind me on this huge screen. We're going to be reading together. Matthew, chapter 17. Uh, we're going to take it from verses 1 all the way to verse 9. And, and there's this idea uh, right here in, in Matthew. Uh, the kind of title of this, this chapter, it starts off with the transfiguration. And, and this is an amazing moment that Jesus himself, he, he goes up into a, into a place, not of isolation, but a place of what? But a place of what? Solitude. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. So Jesus, he's going to this place of, of solitude. He's not going there by himself, though. What's really cool is that in this moment, he's actually taking three guys with him, Peter, James, and John. Um, if, if you study the New Testament, first four Gospels, you see Jesus really likes these three dudes. He has his 12 disciples, but he kind of has, like, his top three, right, Peter, James, and John. Like, he'll go out with the 12 and separate with his three, his core, his, his go-to guys that would literally push the church so far when he's gone, that literally push the gospel to the ends of the earth. So he has 12, but he has three. And he's with these three men, Peter, James, and John. And, and this is the moment of transfiguration. If you're there, it's in Matthew chapter 17, verse 1. Let's read together. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. So those are the three, the three dudes. He's kind of like really, really close to it. Um, and John, the brother of James, he led them up. Watch this. He, he led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was, verse 2, there he was transfigured before them. So what is, what, how did he get transfigured? It goes into it. The, the, next, the next part says, his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. So Jesus takes him up and he just starts transforming. He just starts manifesting. His glory just like, you ever, you ever stayed at the sun too long, anybody? You ever stayed at the sun too long? Three people, cool. Well, don't try it. Um, if you stare at the sun, it, it's kind of like, you, you go blind for a second, and you'll see the sun with your eyes closed. You'll see the shape of this. Ever happened to anyone? You just, I still see it. <laughs> These three dudes are looking at Jesus. His face shone like the sun. Imagine their eyes begin. oh, my God, Jesus, you've been pretty powerful down there, but you're a bit more powerful up here in a moment where it's just me and you. And I cannot tell you, God's, God's powerful on Sunday mornings. God's powerful every Sunday. Can I get an Amen. Anybody feel the God, God's power? Anybody feel it? But he's just as powerful in moments of solitude. As much as he's powerful on the altar, he could be just as powerful in your prayer closet. Pastor talked about last week, his stinky, dirty closet were the moments that he felt God the most, were the moments that he heard God the loudest. 
And, and can I tell you, this sermon series, we, we're doing this sermon series because we're not really trying to build up public Christians. We're trying to build up private believers, right? We're not all about the, the, what you see. What you see is just a, a, fra a fraction of who I really am. You see me on Sundays and I'm worshiping, but man, you should see me on Mondays on my way to work. You should see me on Tuesday at lunch break. You should see me Wednesday when I'm going to pick up the kids. I got the music on. I'm calling on the name of Jesus. It's not, I don't need lights to worship God. I don't need a worship team to worship God because what I know is is that God likes to move in moments of congregation but he's also calling me up a mountain to show me something I've never seen before his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as the light just then there appeared before them so it wasn't just them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So imagine the three Jews, Peter, James, and John. They're looking at Jesus. His face is bright. His clothes are transforming. They're like, I can't see anything. All of nowhere, Moses and Elijah, right, dudes who weren't born in that time. They're actually from the Old Testament. They show up, and they're talking to Jesus. Imagine those three dudes like, oh, my God, what are they talking about? I can't look. It's too bright. Right? They're just like in total, like, reverence. And, and, and to, like, the Bible says they were a little, a little afraid, like, this is so, he's so strong and powerful. Who are these two ghosts talking with Jesus? Verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it, is it good for us to be here? So Peter looks at Jesus, who's with Moses and Elijah, all in the same place. And Peter has the audacity to ask the question, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you. One for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Somebody say he touched them. His first words to them were, get up. He said, he said, do not be afraid. Verse 8, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, as Jesus instructed them. He said, this, he said these words, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, just in, in reverence and, and kind of respect of what's going on. In these next few moments, I'm going to be preaching the Bible. So if you could silence your cell phones, if you have to use a restroom, if you could just hold it for the next few minutes. I, don't want to, I, I wouldn't want anyone to be distracted in this moment, man. This, this is a life-changing moment for somebody this morning. So I, I believe people who came in kind of with their head down, I, I believe today they'll leave with their head up higher. Anybody coming here with just a little bit of faith, I, I believe and I pray that after today you'll leave with a bit more faith for your week. So come on, let's pray for this moment. Let's be in respect and reverence. God, we love you so much. Thank you for, for being with us and you're here. And what an atmosphere to hear your word. What an atmosphere to build up our faith. What an atmosphere, Lord, for our soil, the heart that you've given us to receive the seeds, your word, that you're planting on us today. Lord, if there's anyone who does not believe in you, may they see you for who you truly are. If anyone's lacking in, in, in perspective of your love, Lord, may you remind us that you're covering us with your love. You're covering us with your grace. Oh, Lord, we pray all these things. Come on, everybody says. Come on, everybody says. Come on, if you love Jesus, can you give a shout of praise this morning? Come on, if you love him, can you say, I love you, Jesus? First of all, I, I want to focus just for a moment on Peter. James. Somebody say Peter. Somebody say James. Somebody say John. I, I love the fact that Jesus has his 12 
but then he has his three. I love that. Here's the truth. You should have your 12 as a Christian. How's that, how's that relevant to me and you? We, we should have our 12. We should have our hope group. We should have our people that we congregate with. But, man, I have to have three people in my life that are with me through thick and thin, that know me, that they're accountable to me, that they're there to lift me up. Come on, I can't tell everyone my dirt. I can't tell everyone what I'm kind of going through. But I got my three with me that I'm going to pour into, that I'm going to listen to. These people have the right to call me whenever they want and say, bro, what you doing? Check up on me. These three people, these three individuals have the right, and I give them kind of the authority to see where I'm at, to see where my heart's at. Listen, I, 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 let me give you some advice. Listen, Jesus lived a life, and he still had a three. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, and he decided to still have three men that he went into solitude with. Here's my question. Who's your three? Who's your three? mentioned this a couple weeks ago. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Who's your five? Who's your three? But man, if you select people that are in love with God, if you select people to be around you, anybody here this morning? Come on, if you select somebody to be with you, I promise you, you'll go further faster. Here's my first idea. Solitude is a spiritual discipline that can sometimes be a group project. Solitude, listen, Solitude is a spiritual discipline. What does that mean? Mature Christians seek after solitude and flee from isolation because it's a spiritual discipline. And, and, and if anyone, anyone kind of has a, a lacking in this area, in this discipline, can I tell you, don't go in alone, but go in with two or three. If you have an issue, you can take this to anything. If, if worship's not your thing, I dare you to sit next to two worshipers every Sunday. And you'll start with your hands down. You'll start with your hands right here in three weeks next to two worshipers. Come on, you'll end up with your hands up. You'll end up singing. I didn't even know I could sing. I was so Right? There's people next to you, it'll ignite something inside of you. You need to see solitude not only as one man going in alone, but come on, sometimes it needs to be a group project. Let's rewind time. Remember, remember in high school when you took group projects? And I'm the dude, I'm the dude in the in the group project, right? In the group that's like, hey man, y'all do whatever. What can I do to help you guys? <laughs> that's the guy that does no work, right? Hey, y'all, let's gather up. How can I assist you guys? How can I better bring your vision forward? How can I, how, how, how can I do it? <laughs> I was that dude. And, and, and here's why I love group projects, because you got to kind of all work together. You got to all kind of be in the same mindset. You got to all kind of be in, in the same spirit. Listen, why would you go into solitude with someone who does not believe in Jesus? Why would you go into solitude with someone who doesn't know how to pray? Why would you stand next to a worshiper? Why would you stand next to, to someone who's not a worshiper to teach you how to worship? And, and another example, why would you go to someone who's single for relationship advice? Bro, this is like your fifth girlfriend in like a month. I'm not taking any advice for you, bro. That's how not to date, you know what I mean? Man, we got to surround ourselves with those that are going to sharpen us up. With those people, come on, you know who they are. God's giving you names right now. People you need to link up with. People you need to say, listen, brother, I don't really know you, but I see the power of God all over you. I need what's in you. We need to get together because what I believe is that iron sharpens iron. Come on, the more I'm with you, the more I'm with community with you, I can become better. Come on, solitude is a spiritual discipline that can sometimes be a group project. 
So here's the truth. If, if solitude is hard for you to get around to, have some people join you. Our goal, listen, our goal as a church is not just to be Sunday Christians. Sunday, listen to me, Sunday, you know what Sundays are for? It's a spiritual pat on the back to keep moving. Sunday is a gas station to, to keep moving forward. So Sunday is just a quick little, listen, church, you're doing good. God loves you. God's grace is over you. Let's worship together. Let's experience, come on, the worship together. Come on. It's a, it's a pat on the back. But, but, but all of Christianity isn't just on Sundays. But it's really on Mondays, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, on Thursdays. When, no one, when everyone around you doesn't know who Jesus is, come on, that's when we need the worshiper. That's when we need the hallelujah. That's when we need the God. You're so good. It's not about Sundays. And, and, and maybe you've tried including people before and you didn't get it. So maybe you've done this before. I don't know what your life is like. Maybe you're a skeptic and you say, listen, I've tried other people. I've tried all. Listen, can I first tell you, the, uh, if you ask the teacher, what, what are the best type of students that, that you can ever teach? She'll look at you and she'll say, I'll only teach, like, the best student to teach is one that's teachable. The, the, best, the best student to teach, come on, I, I don't need, the, you know, the kid with, the, with, the, with, with all the all the vocabulary. I need a kid with, with all the knowledge. I'd rather teach a kid that is teachable than a kid that is smart and is not teachable. I'd rather have students that are open to what I have to say to them. And it's the same thing with God. God, God inhabits in the praise of his people. God is looking for worshipers that worship him in spirit and in truth. Can I tell you, God will only teach you something if you open up your mind to be taught. I heard something this weekend erect me. It said, the illiterate of the future are not those who can't read and write. The illiterate of the future are those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. And God's trying to teach you something. God's trying to give you a word. God's trying to show you something. God's trying to show you his face. God's trying to show you his glory. God's trying to catch you in a moment to reveal something in you that will change you for the rest of your life. But the first step for God speaking to you is for you to open up your ears. It's for you to open up your heart and say, God, speak to me. God, say something to me because I'm listening and I'm seeking after you in this moment of solitude. Amen? Amen? It, 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 let's go back to Matthew chapter 17. I want to read verse 3 real quick because this is awesome. Uh, uh, this is literally what me and you would do in this situation. I think Peter, Peter is awesome because Peter is you and me. Peter is you and Peter is me. Right? Let's read verse 3. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But then verse 9, it says, as they were coming down the mountain, as Jesus instructed them. So wait, so you got, you got kind of a, a, a conflict in ideas. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus calls these three men up the mountain. Peter, James, Thomas, come on, let's go. I'm going to show you something in a place that you couldn't have seen in the village, in the town, in front of everyone. I'm going to bring you to, an, to, to a place of solitude to show you something, right? So it's in this area. Peter says, listen, this is awesome. The presence of God is amazing. I, my hairs are standing up. My, come on, Jesus, Jesus, his face is on, on fire. His 
clothes are all white. This is a great moment. Oh, my God, Jesus, if we could just camp right here. If I could just stay right here. Oh, my God, like, like Jesus, can you build yourself a tent? Moses, can you build yourself a tent? Elijah, can you build yourself a tent? And we could just sit here isolated from the world and just in this glory. Come on, we could just sit here all day and worship. Come on, Jesus, can you just camp right there? And sometimes that's me and you. We're in the presence of God. We're saying, can we just stay here? This is way better than when I feel stressed out at work. When we are pure worshiping, man, it's just way better than when I'm stressed out in the week, when I'm arguing with someone, whatever's going on. This right here is what I want to stay at. Ever felt like that in church? Oh, my God, I don't want to go anywhere else. Probably just a few of us, right? <laughs> I want to go, I need to eat. <laughs> now, have you ever been in that place before where you're just like, I, I want to stay right here in the present, right here, right here, right here. But then, but then in verse 9, if you could put up verse 9. Jesus has a different idea. Jesus instructed them to go down the mountain. Whoa, whoa, he's, he, he's breaking Peter's theology. Why? Because Peter thinks that his experience with Jesus is just for him. Woo! This is break your theology. That God only is just going to touch you for yourself. That God's only going to save you for yourself. You're the beginning and end of your life. You're the beginning and end to everything God wants to do in your life. No, that's not true. Jesus is with these men, and he's showing them his face, and he's showing them his clothes, and he's hanging out with Moses and Elijah. And in this moment, Peter says, Jesus, can we just stay here? Can we just start a Christian club right here at the top of the mountain? And Jesus is like, no, listen, you need to go down the mountain. You need to go down. You need to go to the people that I'm sending you after. You need to get out of here. I don't touch you for yourself. I touch you for others. Let me touching you be a testimony of what I'm doing. Here's my only idea tonight. What goes up must come down. What goes up must come down. If you go up to Jesus, don't forget to come down and tell people what God did to you, what God said to you, how God touched you, how you felt the Holy Spirit in the middle of a service and you don't even know him and he still introduced himself to you. Start being vocal about those moments where God begins to show his face to you. You know why I love the church of 2018? Because the church is coming down. We're not just staying in a mountaintop. We're going down to sinners who don't understand anything. And we say, can I show you of the love that I experienced at the mountain? My Christianity, my salvation isn't just for me. It's for others too. And some of us try to prove our Christianity by promoting our solitude. Some of us try to prove ourselves. I'm Christian because I go into solitude. Listen, you don't have to prove your roots. You just have to show some fruit. You don't have to prove your roots. If you're in solitude enough times, I don't got to tell you about the roots that are unseen. I just got to show you the fruit of what God's doing in my life. And Peter says, can we just camp out here? Can we just hang out here? Can we just put a, put a tent here and just sing kumbayas? Can we just worship in church 24-7? No, you got a world to go save. Just a pit stop. Just a pat on the back. Mature Christians don't rely on Sundays. Mature Christians don't wait till Sunday to worship. 
Mature believers don't wait on Sunday. I, I don't depend on Sunday. Sunday just push me forward. But I'm dependent on my personal relationship with Jesus. I'm dependent on every day saying, Jesus, I need you more today. Jesus, I need you more today. Jesus, what, what if we woke up in the morning like it was Sunday, but it was Monday? Come on, with our hands lifted high. Lord Jesus, I worship you. I lift you up. I want to see your face. Come on, God, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I promise you, when someone cuts you off, instead of sending the finger, you'll lay a hand on them. May God bless them because I'm not coming out a moment of flesh. I'm living my day from a moment of solitude. I'm living my day coming down the mountain. What if every day before you left your house, you went up to your mountain, you went to a secret corner, and you said, God, I can't go a moment of today without you. God, I can't move. God, I'm tired, and I woke up a little early, and I know I got a work job to get to, but I don't want to go where your presence isn't with me. I don't want to go if your spirit isn't with me. Oh, Come on, can you take two to three seconds and give God a praise in this house this morning? Come on. We serve a God that knows how to get down. Somebody say, get down. That's my next idea. We serve a God. You could throw, throw the point up. We, we serve a God that knows how to get down. You ever seen an old man get down before? You ever seen an old man get down? It's usually two inches off the knees, and then like a little jiggle. Hey. If you can't dance, you're welcome. Hey. Or like back in the day, yeah, go left, two-step, uh-oh, uh-oh. Listen, if you can't dance, if you just get this right here, you'll be good at every church party. Come on. Unstoppable. God, you speed up. Oh, we go on and on. You better dance in the presence of God. We serve a God that knows how to get down. Our God gets down and dirty. He gets jiggy. Where is that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? It's called the story. It's called the, the, the nativity. It's the moment when God looked at humanity and said, they're so dirty. You can never get to heaven on your own. You think you can work your way to heaven? You can't. You think you can get holy enough by yourself to get to heaven? You can't. You'll keep trying. You'll keep trying. You'll never mount it up. So God looked at an ugly and dying world that turned away from him. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. He looked at a broken world. And you know what he said? Man, I'm sitting in my throne. Up in this cloud. Up in this area. Up in this space. I'm in heaven. I got angels worshiping me 24-7. Do you know in heaven there's worship going on all the time? Worship, 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 worship. And God's on his throne. And God is holy. And he's clean. And he's powerful. And he's just. And he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to go anywhere. Some of you guys think that, that God should have chose you. He shouldn't have. Like, if you compare, like, you're the nerd. And, like, God's, like, the, the hot wife. That You're like, how did that happen? Dude, what would you do to win her? Right? It's like, it's a, it's a scandalous. So God looks at you from a throne of glory, from a throne of presence and holiness. And he looks at a dying world and he says, they can never come to me. So guess what? I'm going to go down to them. 
they can never come up to this place of holiness, of presence on their own. So what I'm going to do, a holy, beautiful, miraculous, marvelous God, I'm going to step down into an ugly, dying, sinful world, and I'm going to put on flesh, and I'm going to put on skin. Come on, and I'm going to send my son and as a baby and a dirty, nasty manger in the middle of Bethlehem. No room for the king of God. No room. No no hotels open. Come on, just give me a little bit of hay. Give me a little bit of dirt. And I'm going to send my son in the ugliest, nastiest place, in the dirtiest way. I'm going to send my son. You serve a God that knows how to come down to you. Stop trying to work your way up to God through works. Receive his love. He already came down. He already came down to us. He already, look at your neighbor and say, he already did it. Come on, look at someone else and say, he already did it. In 2 Peter chapter 1. So this is Peter, right? So, so at the end of the verses we read, we read that Jesus says, hey, Peter, don't tell anyone what you see yet until I've resurrected. Because it's not timing yet. It's not the right time. In other words, what you've seen in private doesn't have to go public just yet. Man, what a place to get in God, right? Where some things God told you could just stay with you. Where, where some things God just revealed to you just stays with you. What a relationship to get. Uh, 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 my secret. So, so later on, P Peter, Peter's writing the Bible. He's writing these things. And in and, 2 and Peter... This is kind of what happens. This is, this is how that transition of thought happens. Where what's come up must come down. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12, we're going to read all the way through 18. It should be behind me. It says, so, so I will always remind you of these things. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12. So, so I will always remind you of these things. Peter says, I'm always going to remind you. I'm always going to remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon uh, put it aside. And he's talking about he's going to be gone very soon as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Verse 15, and I will make every effort to see that, that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Right? So, man, for three, four verses, he, he's talking... Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember how big, how beautiful your God is, right? And here's what he gets into it, verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly, cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of the Lord Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here it goes, here it goes. So, so we're not just making up stories, we're eyewitnesses. Verse 17. He received honor and glory from, from, from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Verse 18. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven and when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So, so why are these verses important? I, I love 16 to 18, but verses 12 to 15 let you know what his heart is like from that moment of transfiguration. He says, listen, I'm not just going to tell you about what, what I saw on the mountain. I'm not just going to affirm to you that our God is majestic and powerful. No, what I'm going to do is before I tell you what happened to me, I'm going to remind you to always remember 
that God has the power, that God has the glory. Come on, this isn't a story that we gathered up and decided how it was going to go. Well, is your story straight? Is your story straight? Let's talk about Peter, James, John. Is your story straight? We're going to talk about the transfiguration. We're going to make it up. He says, no, we didn't make up this story. This is an eyewitness account, and I need you to remember it. And I need you to remember that I am not serving a God that transfigured without me seeing him, but he showed me what he was doing. He showed me his transfiguration. Amen. Isn't that the point of solitude? The point of solitude is to take what's been coming into you and to pour it out. Not that you build yourself and stay home every week in isolation, but that you've seen Jesus, you've experienced him in solitude. So what goes up, listen, it must come down. People need to hear what God's been whispering to you. People need to hear how God's been saving you. People need to hear that God is strengthening your family. People need to hear that God's building your faith. People need to hear that God's doing something in your life. Come on, if you believe in God and he's done anything in your life, people need to hear it. They need to hear it. They need to understand. Listen, we need the world to see and hear Jesus when they see and hear us. Let me give you some responsibility. You may be the only Jesus somebody runs into this week. You may be the only presence somebody ever sees. What are you doing with the power that God has trusted you with? I don't want to waste God's presence on memories. I want to take God's presence and use it as a testimony. I want to take God's messages to me and use it to lighten someone else's life up. And in Matthew 17, 7, I love, these, I love this right here. I'm closing these ideas. It says, but Jesus came and touched them. He said, get up. Don't be afraid. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus came to them. He touched them. He said, get up. And he said, don't be afraid. Number one, Jesus touches you. We don't serve a God that stays up in his, his kingdom and waits for you to run to him. But he makes the move on you. He opens the door first. Come on. He asked you out first. You didn't ask. Come on. God asked you out. God asked for your number. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Man, Jesus still touches people. Are you going to stick around in church long enough to see people get changed by God? Are you going to come every week to church and every week just get touched? Touched, touched, touched. I remember, I remember my, my worst moment in life, I think, when I was in uh, middle school. How many of you guys, middle school is kind of tragic. Like high school, you're already who you are. You know, you're already in the groups you're in. But middle school is like when you're figuring all that out. For me in middle school, I remember I was in a lock-in in church. And I was really questioning my faith. And I was in a corner because when I was growing up, you're super holy if you worship God in front of a wall. Like this. It's like, I can worship with everybody, but I'm worshiping. God, speak to me, <laughs> you know. So I'm in my corner. And it's like hundreds of people worshiping. And I'm just like, God, I need you to talk to me right now. Like, this is, this is the end. I'm at the end of my rope. I, I need you to do something. And, and, and I'm talking to God. And, and I remember this is the moment. It was a moment like that. That God touched me like never before. I felt God touch me. I felt, I felt his love. I felt, I felt him touch me. And I literally fell on my knees and I weeped like a baby in the presence of God. I weeped like a baby. I, I mean, like, not because I was sad, but because you ever, like, cried because something good happened to you? Anybody? 
And I'm, I'm, I'm just crying because God's so good. I mean, I felt, I felt an, an, ex, an explosion of feelings. I felt the grace of God over me, right? His, his love just is on my back, just telling me he loves me, that he's, he's proud of me. He's not ashamed to be seen with me. Those, those words started coming to me, right, that he was proud of me. But then I felt a calling being built up in that moment. I felt, I felt a purpose being built up in that moment. And, and can I tell you right now, even till today, and my moments that I feel like quitting, and my moments that I feel like giving up, and my moments that I feel like stopping, and my moments I say, I don't know if I want to keep going. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. And moments that I feel like giving up, I go back to when Jesus touched me. I go back when Jesus changed my life. I go back to that moment where I was wrecked because I was on the floor and I sang that song, New Wine. I didn't know it was New Wine then, but I said, Lord, make me a vessel. Lord, make me an offering. Lord, right here in this moment that you're touching me, make me whatever you want me to be. Whatever. Jesus doesn't just inspire you. Christianity is a book of good ideas. Man, Jesus still touches people. Man, Jesus still wrecks your life. Man, Jesus still lays his hands on you. He puts his glory on you. He shows his face to you. And you have nothing other to do than to surrender and bow to your king. Jesus touches you on Sunday, man. He wants to keep, he wants to just touch you every day. Every day. Knock and the door will be opened. Meaning the door is closed. Are you knocking? Are you knocking? Knocking on the door, awaiting God to touch you. Right? So Jesus says, Jesus says, he touches them. And then what's the second thing he says? He says, he says, get up. Number one, Jesus touches you. Number two, Jesus calls you up. Woo! I like this point. I like this part. Why? Why? Because if you don't believe in Jesus, he's calling you up to salvation. If you do not believe in Jesus, he said, I think I'm kind of in it. I think I'm kind of with it. I kind of agree. I feel the love of God. I felt in worship. I felt something telling me that, that they love me. I don't know who it was in here. But right, right, right. He, he doesn't just touch you, but he calls you up. Right? So if you're not saved, he's calling you to salvation. If you're saved, come on, he's calling you to baptism. Come on, if you've been baptized, he's calling you to next steps. Come on, I want to use you now. Come on, if you're in next steps, he's calling you to join a hope group. Come on, if you're in a hope group, he's calling you to lead people. He's calling you. He's calling you. Can you thank God right now? Because he doesn't leave you where you're at, but he calls you up. He calls you up. One of the young adults, they came to me. They said, oh, my God, I can't stay at a regular position in my job. I hate it. I go as a regular employee, and they bump me up as manager. And then every job I go to, I keep getting bumped up. I'm listening because God's giving you a gift of leadership. God has given you purpose. And the world sees something in you. And as your pastor, I want to let you know that I see something in you. And as your Savior, Jesus Christ, you know what he wants to tell you? That he sees something in you. He's calling you up. He's calling you up. Wouldn't it be a shame that you went years in church without moving up, just staying still? Wouldn't it be a shame that we go seasons in church without actually jumping into the vision, without actually jumping into what Listen, the church is installed to change the world, and if you decide to be a part of it, it'll change you too. Jesus, he touches you. He calls you up. And number three, he gives you authority. He touched them, he called them up, and he said, do not be afraid. God has equipped you for the task that is at hand. God has equipped you for the task that is at hand. God doesn't send you into battle alone, but he walks with you. 
God doesn't send you in front of him. Go, 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 go. No, no, he's in front of you saying, come, come, come. I am before you, and I'm walking with you. Amen? Amen? I want to read a verse as I close. Luke 17. And, and this, is, this is amazing. I love these verses. Why? Because, because God, like, like God is, is so good. He, he doesn't just meet you where you're at. He calls you to something better. He calls you to more. And then right here in Luke 17, I want to read it to you. This is Jesus doing something amazing. He says this. Luke 17, chap, chapter 17, verses 11 through 14. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he, as he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called down a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. You see, working with young adults all the time, they think that God doing something in your life is you going zero to 100. Right? I go from like super fleshy, super in the world, super carnal to like super holy and like super memorize the whole Bible. Like there's no in between. And that is not true, right? Every, everyone, everyone here knows that this, this thing, Christianity, it, it's actually a process. It's actually a lot of, a lot of moments gathered together, right? And, and I want to do something real quick. John, just stand up right where you're at. Stay, stay right there. So if Jonathan is you... And on this altar is God. Here's what we expect to happen. When you get saved, your process is 0 to 100. 0 to 100. Ready? So when I say go, you're just going to run up here. That's you being a baby Christian to, to you, like, you finish the race, like good and faithful servant, right? So on the count of you, just run up here, and then we'll see what happens after that, all right? Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, my God. Boom. Amazing leader. Go back. Come on. Can you give it up for John? Thank you so much, Jonathan. He used to do track. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not done. I'm not done. Yeah. So we celebrate when we run the whole race. When we're done. When we're complete. That's a myth. No Christian is complete. If you're waiting for that day to happen, you'll, you'll wait all your life. But how about we celebrate the steps? Can I tell you Christianity is step by step? The Bible says as they went, they were cleansed. Ooh, what does that mean? Take a step. Oh, man, God's doing something in my life. Today is a good day. Come on. Because God told me something. Take another step. Oh, my God. Today is a good day. Why? Because I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And every day. Come on, take a step. Oh, man. We got to learn how to celebrate the steps, right? We got to learn how to celebrate every step. Say, oh, my God, now I'm in ministry, and I'm serving, and I still don't know all the Bible verses. I still don't know really anything. But come on, but God's using me, and now I'm talking to people. And now, come on, keep walking. And now God is using me. And the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Every step, every day, going into solitude, going into a place where it's just you and Jesus. Man, can I tell you, if you feel far from God, you can still be on your way. If you feel like you're not where you want to be, you ought to celebrate the steps. Because that is the model of the Christian life beauty of being away and the danger of being alone the beauty of being away and the danger of being alone this sermon series ends today but it does not end in your spirit 
got to learn how in this busy life to hit the do not disturb button and say, I'm going to take these next 15 minutes to call in the name of God because I need this moment of solitude. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.